1: my pleasure to welcome you to the clark howard show where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life today i've got a special session on clarkonomics on home buying that's something people still intend to do in the united states what's going to happen with prices in the future boy am i asked that a lot so i'm going to get out my crystal ball but more important my history book And tell you where I think we're headed overall. And later, something has been hitting us so hard in the wallet grocery prices. There are some new ways to save on delivery without breaking the bank or the credit union. By the way, before I get into talking about home prices, talk about something that I did earlier today. I went to the dermatologist, and I go once a year for a visit to see if everything's okay because my oldest brother has melanoma. And so it's really important that I be checked out. And there was a precancerous thingy that was found that was um, burned off. I forgot what they use for it. Nitro something, whatever. And apparently, I'm going to be feeling it a bit moving forward. And it's the kind of thing that Most of us, especially guys, ignore stuff like this to their potential peril. And so once a year to be checked out, especially if, like me, you spent a lot of time early in your life, and for me, my whole life, in the sun, uh, in spite of sunscreen and all that, it's really important to do this. Visits quick, it's normally painless, and it could be something that saves your life so just think about that so the home market is really going through a big question mark phase because the home market's been through periods of distortion going back this whole century that have really uh, been exceptional i can't think of any time in our nation's history that the housing market has been as crazy as it's been over a generation. So you go back to after the turn of the century, and we got into a phase of enormous overbuilding of homes in the United States and speculative buying as there was a lot of corruption in the banking industry and there were incentives for the banks to write as many loans as they could and be able to sell off all the risk of those loans even if they were doing what they knew were liar's loans. People were encouraged to put down false information uh, to be approved and people were allowed to buy unlimited numbers of homes without any documentation of income and no down payment. So the builders kept building, the lenders kept lending, And it was almost like a giant Ponzi scheme that collapsed starting in 2007, led to the horrific Great Recession, massive unemployment in the country, the bankers involved in all the illegal activity, virtually no one ever went to prison. But what did happen is the standards for lending changed enormously. Housing hit its bottom about 2012, I guess, and then had a crazy run up from 2012 to earlier, uh, well, really last year. And when the housing bust happened, starting in 07, a huge percent of the houses in the United States were built by small independent builders that would build uh, five houses a year, 10, 20. A big one might build 100. But those builders overwhelmingly exited the building business. And they accounted for a big chunk of the housing built in the U.S. So what we've been left with from when housing really got going again in 2012 through 21 was large publicly traded what are known as production builders. And they have their formulas. They steadily built bigger houses at higher price points in these big developments. And they ignored the areas that the smaller builders would build in, which a lot here, a lot there, five lots somewhere else. They weren't building hundreds or thousands of homes in a development. So we lost a big segment of what created housing in the United States and particularly what were known as starter homes, homes for an individual or a couple or a family buying their first home. We went from having way too many homes built in the United States the first decade of this century to too few for household formations being built in the second decade of this century. And the housing market prices were being pushed up as well, and demand was being pushed up by ultra-low interest rates that were brought into place by the Federal Reserve to defeat us going into a Great Depression. Because when the banking scandals erupted and became like an infection around the world, the U.S. and many other economies were facing the possibility of another Great Depression. And we only ended up with a Great Recession because of all the manipulations of money by the Federal Reserve, killing off any money you could earn as a saver, holding down interest rates on any kind of borrowing to reflate the economy. Well, now we go through the COVID cycle and we end up with inflation. The Federal Reserve has to go full bore into fighting inflation that's been magnified by the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And so now the interest rates on mortgages are in the sixes, potentially the sevens. And the economics of the home prices we've had don't work at those rates. So what we're going to see is a lot of people who have very low rates are going to stay in place. But what happens if, let's say, it's an estate sale? Someone has passed away and the house has to be sold. Or somebody relocates from one part of the country to the other, and they need to sell the house they're in in order to be able to go somewhere else. Or there are various circumstances could be a divorce. Situations where somebody has got to sell a house in today's environment. What happens is, where home prices were going up, 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 and up, now they've leveled off. Some markets, they've actually declined some. And there's softness in the deals, meaning that as a buyer, the shoe's now on the other foot. Where you were at the mercy of the seller today, you have power as a buyer. So as home prices kind of meander along as we move through the next couple of years, it means that the relative affordability of homes will improve and the interest rates, the higher interest rates we have right now because of inflation, ultimately when inflation is under control, we're not going to see mortgage rates go back to you know people getting mortgages with the best credit, with the first digit being a one, a lot of people first digit being a two. But we are going to see rates come back down from where they've escalated to. So here's the play. Home prices soften somewhere. Somebody's got to sell. You've been frustrated trying to buy a home. You see an opportunity where the price is now more reasonable. You suck it up and you take on that higher mortgage rate. The ultimate play, though, is that down the road, I don't know if it's 18 months from now, two years from now, but mortgage rates almost certainly come back down. You refi you have that price you paid for the home that's lower because of these higher rates, and then later on you refi. So it's all about whether or not the payment at this higher rate just stings a little, but you can handle it. You don't want to go into one, though, that would eat your wallet up. So this is a long explanation, longer than I would normally give, but I want to give the historical perspective How we got to where we are today is because of a lot of external circumstances that you and I didn't cause, but we have to deal with and pivot because of those. And you know what? The economy always works like that. We have to be flexible based on the circumstances we're presented. And the housing market right now is a tough one because we got used to a certain interest rate environment, but that interest rate environment, remember, that fed into the rapid escalation of prices that now is over, and that creates the next wave of potential for buyers. And Krista, I'm sure that will generate questions moving forward for me about the housing market, but as you and I have talked about on this podcast, you and Mike, Can't go anywhere because your mortgage rate is Mm 1.875. I feel bad even saying it now because it's like impossible to get. But
0: yes, we were really lucky to be able to take advantage of that
1: And um, on a 15 year. My oldest daughter and her husband have a home near you Mm -hmm. and their mortgage payment because of these very low rates is much lower than her sister's, my middle child's apartment rent rent, for a little apartment because these mortgage rates were so favorable.
0: Well, we'll go to questions now. This is from Derek in Iowa. I pay my term life insurance premium annually online and notice they are now requiring both a date of birth and social security number when entering my bank, routing an account number for the ACH withdrawal. I've never seen this before. Should I be concerned?
1: Yeah, I don't like this practice at all. This is about the insurance company being worried that you, for some reason, would be Stealing from somebody else giving false account information to pay your own insurance premium. So the alternative, and what I do is I pay by my electronic bill pay. They're electronically linked. I'm controlling it. I'm not doing ACH. I don't normally like ACH for reasons we've talked about in the past, because you give up certain rights when you use ACH with your money. So if you use electronic bill pay regularly at your credit union or bank, or if you use a brokerage for bill pay, just pay the insurance premium each year that way through electronic bill pay instead of ACH, and then you're not giving that information.
0: Ellen in Ohio says, on a recent podcast, you recommended having small valuables insured by a separate insurer and not on our homeowner's policy. Would you recommend having our umbrella insurance under a different insurer as well?
1: All right. So uh, very quickly, Ellen, for people who didn't hear that, let me explain. So the reason I talked about that is you don't want a claim against homeowners uh, for anything. And so if you have your jewelry, which has pitiful coverage, generally under a homeowner's insurance policy, you have that jewelry scheduled and then you make a claim against your homeowner's insurance when a piece of jewelry is stolen or lost or broken or whatever. You're creating a claim event for your insurance and that's why I've recommended having that separate. But it's not a high priority, it's just an idea. With the umbrella, your umbrella needs to be integrated into everything you have. And normally the same insurer who does your homeowner or auto will issue your umbrella policy and they will stipulate what underlying liability coverage you have to have on your homeowners or auto in order to trigger eligibility for the purchase of the overall umbrella or general liability policy.
0: This is from Patton, California. Is it worth buying high-end appliances like Viking, Thor, etc., when remodeling a kitchen? Or oh. should I stick with the non-high-end brands like Whirlpool packages at Costco? I especially would like a reliable refrigerator since all the
1: non-high-end brands seem to last only five years. So this high-end thing with appliances is a real sore spot with me. I know. Because the agents, <laughs> the real estate agents believe that if your property is of a certain level that the potential buyer perceives enhanced value of your property if you have these ultra-expensive brands of kitchen appliances. So you talk about how the general brands don't seem to be very reliable. The reality is their production runs are so much greater, your chances that something will be more reliable in a general brand are higher than they will be with one of these premium brands. And cheaper to fix, generally. Much cheaper to fix. In fact, a repair for these ultra-premium appliances can end up being more than the entire cost of replacing a general marketplace brand like Whirlpool. So unless, Pat, it's really important in your neighborhood where your home is that people expect to see those snob brands Stick with the mass market brands of appliances. Consumer Reports too, right? Consumer Reports is, I mean, I would I would say that is really important. You mentioned Whirlpool. Go see what Consumer Reports says about the individual models you're considering buying. If they've reviewed them, they've rated them, you'll have a sense of record of reliability and quality for those appliances. Okay, so... Why do you have that refrigerator? To put food in it, right? All right, we're going to talk about new, more affordable ways for you to get your groceries that are appearing in the marketplace because all the fuss about online ordering and delivery seems to have cooled off, and now people are trying to lure you back, I'll tell you.
0: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating, all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to download the new Bumble now another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear? check breakfast, lunch and dinner? check
1: to be able to do curbside pickup, store delivery for groceries, so many other things. I think about how retailers took prime real estate parking spaces in their parking lots for customer pickup, curbside pickup. And they even uh, would knock holes in the wall, which would be a place for employees to come straight out in the parking lot to deliver all that. And I've seen the sophistication increase with having employees go around in the Walmart stores. They now have these rolling carts that they take around where one shopper with a barcode reader is shopping each aisle for multiple customers at the same time, instead of going around shopping for one customer at a time. They have these these bins that are for each customer, and it's... Just something that everybody did what they needed to, see to the pants, to keep revenue coming in back in 20 when so many places went into lockdown or people were afraid of catching COVID and all that. Well, now people are back out and about. In fact, I just read that in a shock to owners of shopping centers, suddenly people want to be back renting retail spaces. You think about where you would drive around, and you see all these vacant retail spaces, and one by one, they're filling back up. People are back out again. People want to go do things again. So now here I am, a retailer. I've done all this pivot. Uh, Amazon's having all kinds of trouble because, as I told you before, they bought all this land and started building all these warehouses, and the volume isn't there that they expected. And for everybody else, it's like, okay, now wait a minute. What do we do? We put in place all these plans for delivery and pickup, and man, it's costing us a fortune to do all this. So technology is becoming more and more a part of the equation. And Kroger is doing a process that is not a test at all. I read a report in the Detroit Free Press how Kroger – is using these e-carts that are kind of like smart robots that are part of doing the shopping in the stores and are an enormous labor saving. And these e-carts have the ability, kind of like the Walmart thing where they can shop for multiple customers at a time, these things allow for stuff to stay in a refrigerator compartment in the cart, a frozen compartment, or just a regular air temperature compartment and then be for each shopper and reduce the cost of shopping for each person by a lot because Kroger now has this membership and Kroger uses different brand names all over the country where you can pay an annual fee and you got the grocery delivery and they've got the pickup service but again somebody's got to go pick all those groceries and this e-cart is part of the equation but for delivery they've got this deal with GM where they use the electronic cart that then goes into a truck that's a really sophisticated robotic-type truck that then goes out to do the deliveries. I mean, it's like a real change. It's one of those things from the pandemic that things that might have happened 20 years from now or 30 years from now happened in a very compressed period of time for people who used curbside or used delivery but for it to be sustainable over time, it's got to be affordable for me as a customer. And it's got to be possible for the retailer to make a profit. Sam's Club has come up with something new. If you're a Sam's Club member, you want to know about same-day delivery for their Plus members, 8 bucks. So you can order whatever you want delivered same-day for an $8 charge. So the Plus membership is 100 It's going up. But it's a hundred right now. And with it, you pay the eight bucks. If you're a regular member, you can pay twelve per delivery, but it gives you ultimate convenience. My wife is someone who doesn't like going into retail stores. And for her to be able, it's like a sweet spot for us, instead of ordering from an expensive store with expensive grocery items coming. If she orders from Sam's Club, she doesn't have to go to the store now for 8 bucks, They bring the stuff to us, and it's a real deal. Now, the Sam's Club same-day delivery is not available everywhere in the country. you got to put in your address, if you're a Sam's Club member, on the app or on the website, and it'll tell you if the same-day delivery is available. But here's the most significant thing. Different from Costco— If you do same-day delivery from Costco, or in many cases with Costco, even delayed delivery where you get it in two or three days, the prices you pay for the merchandise are higher than what the merchandise is if you go to Costco and buy it in the store yourself and take it home yourself. Sam's Club is charging the same price for the items being delivered to you as the items are in the shelf in the Sam's Club. And that is a significant difference from Costco. And if you're a convenience shopper who loves delivery and loves low prices, paying the $8 charge for the Sam's Club delivery is a real deal. Krista?
0: The first question here is from Joan in Nevada. She says, what is the best and most reasonable
1: home security system? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's one that you install yourself. And based on recent ratings, gosh, I've seen this more than one place, two particular alarm systems rated highest that are self-installs, which are easy to do. I mean, even I was able to do it. If I could do it, you know it's easy. Uh, One of them is Simply Safe, and the other is Ring. The Ring alarm is cheaper over time because you have a much cheaper monitoring because ring is owned by amazon amazon subsidizes it simply safe is its own thing and they're doing the alarm so you may wonder are you going to have the same level of protection in your home with a self-install from simply safe or ring the answer is yes you will because all the components now are designed in a way they can be very easily self-installed and uh we did a video a few years ago when i installed a ring alarm system myself in the house and um it was it took me three times longer than it said it would take me to install it but you also broke for lunch well my brother brother and i went to lunch (laughs) i mean it was a lot of work so it was like okay I feel hungry let's go eat so we <laughs> went and had burgers came back and I finished but the monitoring from Simply Safe is uh, about twice as high as the monitoring from Ring but the equipment costs are similar just a few hundred dollars depending on how many doors and windows you have to protect you can also integrate smoke and fire and these systems are a great way for you to save a lot of money.
0: From Teresa in Idaho, we're shopping for a new mattress. We've tried out two different brands to try for 60 days and had to return both. They were great about it at the store. Are there any deals anywhere? We both have back issues and can't stand memory foam. The only mattresses that we seem to like are from a big furniture store, but we're not happy about spending $4,000 on a mattress. Help.
1: $4,000? Yep. Wow. 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 My wife and I sleep on one of those memory foams that don't work for you that we paid $499 for a king. Um, Wow. Okay, so this this is a difficult area because with the bed in a box, generally memory foam, almost everybody offers the sleep right guarantee kind of stuff where you can try it for 90 days, 180 days, 100 days, whatever it is, and you can have them come get it and you get a full unconditional refund. With traditional mattresses, pretty much you buy it, you own it, and that's it. So this is really, really a difficult problem because Uh, historically, people would go to a mattress store and they'd have the aggressive salesperson and you'd feel self-conscious laying down on a mattress. My advice with traditional mattresses, do you remember what I always said about going to the warehouse clubs?
0: Oh yeah, you'd lay it down on the floor. I've seen you do it and lay down on it and hang out and like read a book in the warehouse club.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the (laughs) warehouse clubs sell books. So you go over the book section, you find a book that would be fun for you to read for 15 minutes. Go over, you lay down on that mattress. If you have to, you pull it down on the floor, lay down on it, give it a good try. Because my experience watching people in mattress stores, they feel so self-conscious about laying down on one that they'll say, hey, try it out. And people will lay down and they're up in a split second, back up. But the other thing is from the warehouse clubs, you may have a right to return a mattress for a full refund even if it is a traditional mattress. And I want you to be really aware of having that right to return, not for a store credit, not for a store credit, but for a full refund if you don't like one. So it's harder and harder to buy traditional mattresses, but you're looking right now at a Costco sale Okay, so Costco says you have a 100% satisfaction guarantee on the merchandise. So even with a traditional mattress, you can order one from them. And if you don't like it, you get your money back. So you can't ask for better than that. Mm -hmm. Any store you look at for a mattress, I want it to give you, remember, the distinction. I don't like these things where they say, Satisfaction guaranteed will give you a credit. Uh Uh-uh. You want to know that if that bed is no good, that you have the right to return it for a full refund. I mentioned Consumer Reports earlier. Consumer Reports has done mattress reviews. You can go see what they have said and see what mattresses they would like. If you're not a member, you can see the reviews with a library membership for free. Or you can buy one-time access to Consumer Reports and look at their guide to buying a mattress. And from Michelle
0: in Mississippi, I just wanted to share with you that TSA PreCheck is randomly selecting people who are up for renewal to be required to come for an in-person appointment rather than renewing online. Online renewal takes five minutes and costs $70. In-person costs 85 I was randomly selected. For me to renew, I would now have to travel 112 miles to the nearest office to do so. When I went through the process before, I went to my local airport, and obviously I will not be taking time off of work to renew my TSA pre-check in person. What was the point of me paying this money to have a background check five years ago, only to be told I have to go through the same process again?
1: Michelle, it is so annoying, I can't even tell you. Uh, you're in a position where you live in Mississippi, that where you have to go for a face-to-face interview is two hours each way, a terrible burden on you. All we can find from Homeland Security is that they do occasionally require someone at renewal to come for a new face-to-face. Who knows how they do it? If it is random selection or if something tripped them wanting to see you again for a face-to-face interview, and I wish there was a way I could tell you around this, but it is a fact. Same time, to give up, Pre-check for five years if you travel regularly sounds like a terrible burden. What I don't understand is why you can't have the face-to-face interview at your airport 12 miles away instead or 15 miles away instead of having to go 112 miles each way. And that is something that I think would be worth calling your congressman's constituent service office, congressman who represents you in your district in Mississippi, And see if you can get their help getting an interview at the local airport instead of having to go two hours each way, which is, I can understand maybe for whatever reason they want a face-to-face with you again, but to require that inconvenience from you seems not at all the right way for them to do business and treat a fellow American. Let me know what happens. And frustrating things do happen. They happen to your wallet. I want you to know, though, you're not alone. We are all in this together. And at Team Clark, we want us all to be able to serve each other. That's why we have community.clark.com to find tips, ideas from fellow money savers like yourself.